Adam Chartok, your host of Film Wax Radio. Uh, a, couple, a few weeks back, I was feeling, I'll just say it, I was in a funk, I was feeling depressed, and uh, no kidding, you know, just about everything, you know, one gets into these moods, and uh, I thought, well, let me talk to somebody who I feel like is a positive force uh, on this podcast, and and by extension in my life, and um, and I decided then to ask my old friend and Filmwax Radio friend and um, supporter Larry Fessenden to come back for yet another visit, and he agreed, and we got together, and we uh, <coughs> knocked out this conversation you're about to hear. We met at Larry's, where he was editing his latest film. We talk about it, so no need to go into that in any detail. I do want to mention one thing i want to plug one thing if you're a fan of larry's and the work that he does and if you've listened to any of the past episodes that he's been on uh we've mentioned this ongoing radio play called tales from beyond the pale that he does and that he writes or produces along with his uh, friend and also film wax friend uh, glenn mcquaid the filmmaker the two are putting on another live radio play this wednesday evening hence my getting this uh, special episode up uh, today. Larry and Glenn, along with a troupe of actors, Foley artists, musicians, and sound designers, will be uh, at the Walter Reed Theater at Lincoln Center on Wednesday, August 22nd at 7.30 to perform the latest in the uh, Tales from Beyond the Pale series. Uh, all new, all, all live, all strange. So if you can, please uh, go to the uh, Film Society of Lincoln Center's website or filmlink.org. Uh, you'll find Tales from Beyond the Pale and get a ticket. I think they're pretty reasonable, in fact. And uh, check out what they did. I, what, I've been to uh, one not too long ago and had a great time. Had a great time. And if I wasn't busy this Wednesday night, if I didn't have a uh, work commitment, I would be there myself. But I did want to thank Larry for coming on the show. And uh, again, and it's uh, just reinforces this this thrill that I get of having a community of people on this show uh, that I circle back to over and over. And um, so there will be no outro on this episode. Oh, and we will be back Thursday with an episode with Frank Mosley, who's uh, known uh, primarily as an actor, I suppose, but he's also a film director. And there will be a retrospective at the Spectacle Theater in Brooklyn starting on Saturday. And we'll uh, have another episode up on Thursday with Frank. Okay, here we go. Larry and me here on Film Wax Radio.
advantage of it is it's my show, so I can do whatever I want, which is which is a kind of a catharsis, and that's why I called you because I I I realized if I could get to the point of just making this about the friends that I made doing it, mm-hmm. you know, and people make a kind of a a positive community around it. Right. You know, which is the goal, which is a goal, then that would be enough. You know, I don't, and then, you know, slip in the information, slip in promoting people's, you know, art and their artful work and all. That's great as well. Uh, well, I'm also a proponent of the community uh, idea. I often speak of Glass Eye Picks, my company, with that, that terminology because I do believe, you know, we are citizens we're here to support each other it's a very mean troubling world fairly arbitrary Mm -hmm. you could argue that it's meaningless and you know we create our own realities and if you celebrate community and you support each other um both literally making art and and in a maybe a, a a bigger community way i think that's a very valuable ethos especially now where we really see depravity all over in our national conversation mm-hmm. um and i just feel that uh, the baseness of human nature has been weaponized a popular mm-hmm. term but mm-hmm. i it um, applies it feels like uh, the a century of capitalism oops sorry and uh branding Mm-hmm. has led us to this um, really desperate time mm-hmm. where there's a crassness and a coarseness to our discourse and to uh, our technologies. Our communication technologies have really shaped um, the way we interact. And it's very vindictive. Uh, it's very brief. It's unnuanced. And it's corrosive and toxic and i used to complain about the you know the oil and gas industries which there's plenty to complain about but i think the new downfall of humanity are these technologies um you know facebook you, and so on yeah right i mean even just the phone which you know yeah, the a phone, lot of people it is an addiction i'm an addictive personality i yeah didn't hook into the phone at an early age, so it's something I can put away. I can literally put it away for the weekend. You, you can? Know? Oh, yeah. I, I don't care about the phone. And I also don't do Instagram and the, some of those things that... But I I've, I will look up uh, news items every 20 minutes just mm-hmm. as sort of an idle, oh, I have a moment, let's see what's going on. And you realize and, I'm my clicking is creating the, the demand for a new news story every half hour, which yeah. is... Just of course, it's just a habit because I wouldn't really want to encourage that. I noticed the um, was a little, I guess, off topic, but I noticed when my father, who's an older guy now, and he every uh, he watches local news, something that I've kind of gotten out of the habit of doing because I don't have cable. You know, I don't, right. I don't really do that. I watch stuff through other kinds of platforms is but i noticed when he's watching it the the news is terrifying first of all and they're also just every day the weather has to be i can't complained about this before but i you know they they have to kind of broadcast the weather like always as it has to be news breaking right so they have to shape the story somehow in order to make people anxious you know to create anxiety around it it's just another thing that i i totally concur i mean one thing that was fascinating in the 60s marshall McLuhan, you know the Mm -hmm. media is the message 
mm-hmm. message. Uh, a lot of this thinking that did come out was very vital and really talked about the thing about um, television news is that you have to see something that can progress, that can be filmed. So a fire is going to get more coverage because that you, there's a beginning and an end. You know, there's the, the third story. There's the baby dropping out of the window. And so mm-hmm. that's exciting. And so that's what they would put on the news. You don't put on the story of people planting trees or something that's a lower impact uh, visual. So all of these things, and now, of course, in our social media, these things shape the way we uh, even communicate. And I agree with you. Everything has to be uh, news-breaking, absolute disaster, and there's a sense of hysteria, and it's and this is really the problem, you know, everybody loves to say there's Fox News or there's MSNBC and CNN's in the middle. But the point is, is they are all trying to create a sense of urgency. So you'll tune in. Mm-hmm. So this is what I mean by branding has destroyed us. You're either a Fox News watcher or MSNBC. You, mm-hmm. you, And this is how people identify themselves. And this happened in the 70s and 80s. You started seeing people wearing T-shirts with... Uh, those corporate logos, logos. Yeah. that was not how you behaved in the 70s no. that would yeah. have been absurd why would i advertise something like a coca-cola or nike yeah so it's been a very careful but that's why you know it really does come back to capitalism when you monetize everything when you try to destroy the post office so that you can then use ups or um fedex you are destroying the mechanisms by which we have a common civil obligation to each other Mm -hmm. and i think that's well one of many things that's that's going wrong and it's rarely in the conversation because we're looking at the fires well i think you make a very good point about the post office a wholly owned subsidiary of amazon (laughs) (laughs) yes anyway it's good to uh it's good to have friends (laughs) it's good to have friends and it's uh, it's good to have projects that you know that you can at least work on. Or, or do you feel like you're uh, effective in in creating what you create is having an impact? Do you feel like in your own way? Uh, only in my own way, which yeah. is to say, in a very small, humble way. Um, it's I always say that uh, showbiz is a hierarchy. You know, I am certainly the mm-hmm. the proud leader of a little company that creates very small independent films um often horror movies but i support artists of other stripes and you know i've made a difference in a couple people's lives as a result but it's hard to really claim to have made you know an impact on the real world of showbiz um but you have to do what you can and that would be obviously a message for anybody as they get older to stop resenting um, their failings and, you know, to embrace the life you have. So, you know, all of this sort of being wrapped up together. Um, but Glass Eye Picks is a lovely little institution, emphasis on little. Uh, but we have made uh, some great independent movies, and I think we've helped first-time filmmakers um, start their careers, and we've been a support system for some filmmakers Mm -hmm. who continue. And then, of course, we make radio plays and comic books. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of artists who have passed through that that little uh, institution, and I I consider them the community. And, you know, a lot of them speak fondly of having uh, worked um, together, Mm -hmm. really. You know, we had the golden period was like 
Ty West and Graham Resnick and Peter Polk and Brent Kunkel. These guys worked with me in the uh, 2000s, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but now we have uh, Jen Wexler has been fantastic as a producer, and she has her own movie out now, and it's really fun to see her enjoy the the just the excitement of doing interviews and you know trying to shape a narrative around her movie that makes it a bigger movie than um, than maybe the actual experience, but really sharing the types of envelopes she was trying to push. And then it does become a valuable conversation. Mm -hmm. um, what, uh, is that Jen Wexler, you said? Is Jen Wexler. She What's made a film? movie called The Ranger. Mm -hmm. We shot uh, over a year ago now, and she's been doing the festival circuit. I'm very pleased to say we'll be opening at IFC uh, August 17th for a week-long run. Uh, and then we open in L.A. in September, and we have... Um, a really fun tour of East Coast uh, drive-in theaters. So, what? Uh, the, uh, uh, how many are there, as far as you know? I'm not actually sure. Okay, uh, oh. three to seven. <laughs> that's that's pretty uh, impressive. That that I mean, I'm sure once there were like fifty, sixty. Oh, no doubt. Maybe even far more than that. I don't know. Well, there's a big country, maybe, but these are the ones that'll accept. That's, okay, movie. that's true. I'm sure there there's still uh, as novelties go, you know. Yeah, but there are still. Well, the drive can't be is still a great experience. I mean, obviously, it's not as integrated into our normal lifestyle, but uh, they're upstate drive-ins, and you can see first-run movies. And in fact, it's probably more unusual to see an indie film, but we really want to um, put it up on those screens and just have it be a good time. This is a movie about uh, punk rockers. Who get? Is it contemporary um, story? Yes, although okay. it's sort of in a mellifluous mel mm -hmm. uh, '80s setting. Vague, uh, okay. Vague. Mm -hmm. I think it, Jen calls it '80s dreamland, mm -hmm. which is to say it's not specific, but you can feel um, the influence of '80s horror and of punk. And these guys um, have an altercation with the law. And then they head to the country uh, to uh, escape, and they meet a deranged uh, park ranger. So it's a fun sort of uh, <laughs> uh -huh. affront to authority, um, almost in a, a kind of throwback way. Um, but uh, there's other dimensions and nuances to it that come from Jen's own orientation mm -hmm. and uh, the things that interest her and the main character played by Chloe Levine. Uh, is really uh, very compelling. So it's a fun, it's a very fun movie, but it has uh, some unexpected uh, perspective. So that's oh. very uh, happy to put that. What, out. What, 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 during a project like that, you're on the set. What's your what's your role? I mean, what, what how much are you're producing it, or right? Is that your title, producer on this? I'm a. I consider myself a creative producer. This uh -huh. movie was made along with Andrew Vanden Houten, who's a very uh, dynamic. Uh, very active independent film producer mm -hmm. um, and he and I have known each other for quite a while I've acted in movies of his but we've never partnered up in a producing way mm -hmm. uh, he's really great with numbers nuts and bolts but we gotcha. filmed in my hometown here in uh, the east coast um, Jen was also a producer because she sort of knows the nuts and bolts so it was a nice um, you shot up, up, up in um... we shot upstate where I've yeah. made, yeah, most of your at films. least a dozen movies, uh -huh. and uh, but my role is to be encouraging to really talk through the sort of the 
nuts and bolts of filmmaking and you know but, is your story getting conveyed do you have the stuff you need uh have you considered doing it this way since we can't afford that way right uh and then i get involved solutions and yeah and ideas and yeah. um and feedback. a general attitude yeah. of if you will it's punk rock uh you know, we make punk movies, uh, which is what we've yeah. been saying recently to tie it into the Ranger. But, you know, we've always had that aesthetic of do something bold, do something different. Um, can't take no for an answer. If you don't have enough money, then you just have to do it a different way. But never let up on the story that you wanted to tell. This is where I digress from certain other, you know, independent-minded filmmakers where they want to um, make sure it all happens in one house. And it's... Present day, you know, they they design the script for the money, and I say, no, let's make a spaceship movie, and let's figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. We don't have any more money, and it's going to be kooky, but we might come up with something, mm -hmm. and we've done that. We made a movie called Automatons in black and white Super 8, and uh, we had robots created uh, with, you know, garbage cans and tinfoil, mm -hmm. and it's a very striking movie. It's by James McKinney. That's just one example. Yeah, I understand. Uh, but and I, and I understand, depending on your relationship with the director, uh, your role is a little different each time, perhaps. Yes. You know, obviously that makes sense. And you might have more to do with the screenplay and the developing of the screenplay mm -hmm. into it, or script into a screenplay, I guess. Yeah. And in another sh film, you might be more just hands-on on during the, the actual production. It's really Depends. important that you listen to yeah. the director and you'd really try to figure out and... Um, enhance what they are saying and then you kind of we made a movie called like me with uh, by L rob mockler um and that was a very good experience it was his first feature mm -hmm. and you know he came at it from one perspective and he wanted a really bold look and we found the right cinematographer for him who incidentally went on to do the ranger and in fact my film uh depraved so uh it's about uh, hooking people together and, as I have sort of expressed, having this aesthetic of everyone's in it together to win it and so that you create uh, a team of like-minded people who really want it to be special. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do believe in the old Coppola cliche. He always said, this is uh, the last place for a dictator to exist. In that regard, the director is first. It's not the producer. I mean, the producer's important, and Glass Eye has sort of a, a vibe to their movies, but the whole agenda is to make unique films, unique to the artist in question, the, the director. Um, and that's our uh, agenda. Uh, have you, but you've worked, as you already said, a number of times with first-time filmmakers, and then you're on the set there, and maybe you're like the papa. You know, you're, yeah. you've developed into that. Some some may be uh, not so confident or, you know, maybe doubting themselves a little bit. Rarely doubting themselves. I mean, usually okay. by the time we're going to make a movie and we've somehow found the they're, money they're and ready all to that, go. yeah, they're, they're ready excited. to go. What uh -huh. they may be is deluded or uh, <laughs> yeah. or panicky. Right. And then you come in and you say, listen, let's, let's talk this through. What is the intention of the scene? I mean, I do feel like... Uh, a mentor or even a teacher figure in in some regard but mm -hmm. usually these are people who really really passionately care about movies and they have a lot of ideas and if anything it's just a matter of saying well we'll never be able to do that and we mm -hmm. know we love kubrick but this is not going to happen and then every now and again though i rarely 
take this position, you do say you might want to be safe and get this other angle so you will have cutability, even though we know it's all going to be a one you know, <laughs> uh, right. those I'm not trying to send you mixed signals here. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but coverage. You know, so, so those things. And yeah. then just uh, obviously casting, uh, finding the right art department, um, figuring out how to allocate money, and then quite literally when we shoot upstate, just knowing how those resources can play out, using old favors to... Uh, I mean, that's one of the hard things is that, you know, 20 years later, it's still a lot of this is based on favors. And, you know, I always say to my collaborators, I just wish I was bringing you the big money-making projects so we could all relax and not rush through the mix or rush through the color correct. But honestly, it's the economics of independent movies have really gotten worse, not better, over the period that I've been working. Mm -hmm. So I can't say too many good things about any of that. Mm -hmm. And when people do graduate from the glass eye model and try to make TV or do bigger projects, I always bless them, and I know that's what they need to do because you, it's not sustainable. It's it's pretty brutal, which is why we do even other things like make sure. radio plays. <laughs> well, that's what we'll do. <laughs> right. It's the perfect solution to not being able to make movies is to make something <laughs> else. Make something else that's even more commercial. That's even more complicated. <laughs> Uh, that's coming up too, though, right? You have another um, record, uh, live recording that's coming up yeah. at the Walter Reed. So we have a project called Tales from Beyond the Pale, which I've done with Glenn McQuaid, who's a filmmaker, uh, for, I don't know, I'm very bad with time, but uh, 2008 maybe or nine we started. Mm -hmm. um, and we do a half-hour genre-based audio plays with full sound effects and if they're live with full Foley on stage Foley is the guy that makes the noise or stabs the pumpkins for that sound effect and uh, pumpkin would be a human uh, that would be a, a, human, a human being flesh, yes, yes human flesh um, so these have been a great catharsis that helps one write you have to come up with a 40 page script uh, often with the gun to your head uh, we've involved many, many other writers and directors. Some uh, of whom appeared on the earlier episode of this show. Indeed, we did, indeed. Uh, I think the last, the last appearance, or one of the last appearances. Yeah, so uh, they're just a really fun, quite unique art form. Mm -hmm. The art of listening and of conveying stories um, without literal dialogue. We... Uh, but but every script is different. Sometimes there's a narrator. Some there. Sometimes it's an unreliable narrator, first person, or mm -hmm. and other times you're really a fly on the wall, just trying to understand the story and picture what's going on by the clues that are given as they unfold. So it's a great project. Glenn and I have done this. Uh, we've made at least forty, forty-five, maybe fifty uh, tales. They're all completely unique. Mm. So um, there's a, and you put out the compilations. Well, we every... put them out as physical media because right. we also love the graphics, sure. and the, the posters, and we've had great collaborators do that. Uh, but they're all on uh, iTunes and mm -hmm. Amazon and through our website, talesfrombeyondthepale.com. Uh, so that's a great project and. What's the the one that's coming up in August? Yeah, that's, there's uh, See Us Live at Lincoln Center. Uh, Lincoln Center has 
They're, oh, it's part of a. Fe- the, they're, they're doing, doing a little a bit horror of a, festival, of a horror festival, which is, you know, I think it's quite ballsy to do a horror festival in August in New York City at Lincoln Center. So we'll see. Uh, but we, uh, our show is on the twenty second of August, which is, uh, I think, it's a Wednesday at seven thirty p.m. Um, but surely, it's uh, any kind of horror fan should check out the movies that are playing because there's some new uh, genre films that are screening, and I think it'll be a really great time if you are stuck in new york what could be better than to mm-hmm. sort of lose yourself in a festival where you kind of show up day right. after yeah. day and take in the the fair and uh this is going to be like one of the is this the last event in the in the festival or something i'm not I sure i don't know i don't, I don't know it, for some reason i remember that but i could be wrong it could but be. this is going to be are you going to record two plays Yep, although we have some other special treats um, that we'll be doing that night that reference uh, some releases coming up in the fall. Um, Tales has sort of um, moved to uh, vinyl. We've been enjoying uh, vinyl Mm -hmm. releases. We did a vinyl release a couple, uh, well, I guess years ago now, Mm -hmm. but it was just fantastic to drop the needle on a, on an old story, uh, a spooky tale. It reminds me of when I was little, I would listen to this uh, Alfred Hitchcock storybook mm-hmm. uh, on vinyl. And, uh, and well, I was, you know, listened to a lot of stuff on, on records. So we have some releases coming up. I guess I won't be specific, but let's mm-hmm. just say keep an eye out. There's some real treats. Or an, treats. Ear. Or an ear out. Thank you, Adam. That's very <laughs> much in the spirit of tales. Uh, so just very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has a record player, but um, those who do will be quite tickled. You might be like me, where you do have a record player, but there's nothing to hook it up to at the moment. There's that have problem, that, too. To, but I'm, I'm not going to let, let it go. I'm going to be holding on to that record player. Yeah, and you know, usually we do a digital release along with this stuff, or in some cases, these vinyls are reissues of tales that have already been told, but just in a lovely package with great sonoral qualities. Um, So you you record these, though. We did talk about this on a prior episode to some degree, but you record these throughout the year, correct? Well, uh, Uh, some of them are live. Um, okay. The live ones, which like Lincoln Center, uh, we record and then we spruce them up sure. in post production and we put them out. And you really feel the Adding energy. Those audio uh, gasps from the audience. Yes, from the, exactly. the gasps the, rather from the, the audience. The people fainting. Yes, the um, ambulance faint sound. The of ambulance, ambulance approaching a, the uh, theater. Yeah, we tighten up the emergency crews. We <laughs> yeah. usually cut them out. But uh, we've also had fantastic um, um, luck. Shoe. Uh, uh, recording in in the studio and just making completely standalone and of course you can get a little more complex although we like mm-hmm. to challenge ourselves the live ones can be equally ambitious but in concept you have more control if you're in the studio you can do more than one take for example um so they've been ping-ponging back and forth but we often are invited to uh um, film festivals or other weird events where we put this on as a it's novelty. A big, it sounds like a, though it's a big production for a film festival. In some, unless it's you know, yeah, it's. I mean, we've traveled all the way of. across the country with our little, you know, our foley box, which mm-hmm. is like a box with rocks in it, and yeah. you know, the pumpkins, sure, and, the clip clops, uh, the, the clip clops of, of the, the horses, of the encroaching the, horses, yeah. the cavalry, as it right. were. Yeah. Um, 
and on it goes. So mm -hmm. it's a bit of an enterprise. And of course, none of this pays out quite the way you'd like. So mm -hmm. <laughs> we're, we're thinking of moving it to a podcast where we uh, get to, um, I guess you give it away, but then maybe you have some business model where it, it makes sense. And, and in a way, we'd like it to be more available. It's a bit rarefied. To find these tales, it's not hard, and they're not expensive. But you have to make yeah, some well, effort. And God knows there's no time for effort in this culture. No, no, there is not. <laughs> but Rick, they, Rick, don't. You must help me, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would if I gave you a thought. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I could never do Bogart. I no? only do Cagney. Really? No, that was uh, Laurie. Well, the first guy oh. was. Oh, oh, oh was. Rick, help oh, that's me. Peter that's Laurie. Laurie but yeah. then oh. didn't you do a little bogey at the end? I there? did bogey. I yeah, thought then you said Cagney. Well, I can do Cagney. That's yeah. What I'm okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> you just you you dirty rat! Don't <laughs> no, get me started with that. He never said that. Guy, no, did. right. Of course. None of the none Judy, of the lines. Judy, like, Judy, never Judy. said that either, right? Yeah. Cagney never said Judy. Judy. Cagney never said Judy. <laughs> Judy. Well, I can do. I can do. I, I love the arsenic oil lace just because I can do pretty much almost all the actors in it. You know, oh, so I have a good. lot of joy. So say, so, Elaine, I'm not a Brewster, Elaine. You know, oh, that, goes, that is I'm good. not a Brewster. I remember that. He said, I looked like Boris Karloff. No, <laughs> <laughs> <Or> Johnny. <laughs> remember Peter Laurie and yeah, arsenic oil. Of course. No, Johnny. No, Johnny. Come down, Johnny. It's okay. Well, speaking Please of uh, vinyl, of course, I listened to that on uh, Arsenic Lollies. Arsenic Lollies? Sure. There's a vinyl version of it? Oh, it's fantastic. And the irony is Karloff played it, which right. he wasn't available for the movie. So it's, I don't know, Raymond thought, Massey or something. Oh, right. It was Raymond Massey. It's rather that's disappointing right, because no, the whole gag Karloff is that it looks is, like Karloff. That's right. It's self-referential. It's meta. It's self-referential. <laughs> Do you remember when we were doing that? Remember you, Why are you we were... interviewing? We could be putting on arsenic and old lace. <laughs> that's right. right. <laughs> the, um, that's right. And in fact, uh, I think that Karloff did the Broadway play. Well, that's, that's what that's, this, that's this is a what recording. the vinyl was. This is, it was a course. recording of the play, probably edited. They probably did that pretty frequently back then as a way to promote now the play. Now that you mention it, I need to purchase this immediately off of Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Which is taking over the world. I wonder if that and recording, do you think that dropped. recording is available? Oh, well, I listened oh. to it as a child. No, so I know that, but, I, but it's out of print, you know. It's probably, But you may be able to get copies. I don't know. Who knows? We'll have to look into God that. invented eBay. Yeah, but I just would love to hear that. Yes. Was Peter Laurie in the original Broadway play? So. I'm not sure that I'm he sure was. he wasn't. No. That guy has an interesting story. Peter Laurie. I love him. He was you part know, of that he, whole... Uh, you know, group the of uh, expats or uh, you know immigrants that. Well, yeah, the first ran. movie he did with Hitchcock, uh, the man who knew uh, too much. The first. Oh, was that the first one he did? Yeah, when he auditioned, he met Hitchcock, and uh, he, you know, Hitch is a great prankster and joke teller, and and Peter Laurie was. <laughs> yeah. He just loved Hitch, and they had a great laugh. And later on, he revealed that he didn't speak a word of English and that he was faking it. <laughs> but he's very striking in that movie. And that uh, started his career in America. Right. Uh, or, I yeah. guess that was England, so don't ask me. Oh, wait. The first 30. It was, did you say the 39 steps? Did I? That was wrong. I, no, I no. Meant the man may, who knew too much. The man who knew too much. Yeah. You may have said that. I, no, because I remember they remade 
Yeah, they made it years later with uh, Jimmy Stewart. Right. And of course, Doris yeah. Day, who has the fantastic song, Gay Sarah, Sarah. Right, written um, by Sly Stone. I remember it. <laughs> easy to say that the remake isn't as good, but in fact, there are pleasures to it. Sure. What it is, is the villain isn't as good. In fact, I can't even remember him. And as Hitch will tell you, that uh, the villain is, a good villain is the key to a good thriller. Yeah, but he remade it uh, in, in an American version. Just think about the Joker. Complete. Hmm? It's, uh, he, he remade it for some reason. It's a, uh, Maybe just thought he could do a better job of it, or he wanted to make an American version. Uh, All of the Because he above. didn't think the British would, would connect with Americans, I don't he know. He always said, the first one was made by an enthusiastic amateur, and the second one was made by a professional. That's his take, <laughs> which... There you go. Then he went back to England for a little bit, didn't he? Didn't no, he? only to make Frenzy. Frenzy. Which oh, that was, was the only one he did in, uh, when he went back? Well, in the later okay. years, he that... went back and made Frenzy almost literally in his childhood uh, neighborhood. His father was oh. a green grocer, and that right. movie features a demented green grocer. And uh, I always... It was the first movie I bought when uh, you know video came out. Mm-hmm. So I have a great fondness for it. Uh, I also think it was... a important um it was hitchcock getting his mojo back he'd made like topaz and torn curtain he was really getting a bit stodgy i can't even watch topaz torn curtain has pleasures but Uh yikes so he was really getting old and um stuffy well marnie is perverse and therefore and has some classic stuff and it has james bond um that's right of course but um money penny it has money penny penny. um but marnie penny (laughs) <laughs> good night nurse <laughs> so uh but frenzy he really got his mojo back and it's a yeah. vicious movie and wonderful it I really think. is if you watch it starling how <laughs> <Nasty>. misogynistic <laughs> it is i wouldn't even say well, I, I don't think I, I, it's funny about the idea of misogyny because w- he hates the men too the men are actually unpleasant yeah uh, yeah in other I words i think it's point. more uh, so uh, man, uh, human hate it. What do you call it? You know, misogynist. Uh, no, or no, misanthropic. Uh, misanthropic. There you go. I'm like um, a thesaurus. And honestly, it was um, his last great film, which is to say, his second to last film at all. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're not going to family plot. plot. Yes, mm, so be it. That's and, and uh, family plot was the only Hitchcock movie I can claim to have seen in. You know, first run in a oh, movie theater. Nice. I was very young. I did too. Did you? Uh, yes. But it's, it was was it the first one you saw in a movie theater? Uh, Hitch movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean. I don't know that's because I mean. they had old. Uh, they had no, no, but first run. For no, oh yeah, like first I didn't run. see Frenzy in the theater. Yeah, right, of course. But that was the second to last film. Frenzy was. Oh, okay. Then of course you're right. I mean, the fans will correct me, no doubt. But I think that's <laughs> the case. Yes, in chronological order. It uh, in chronological order. Order. Um, but I am a Hitch fan. Everybody knows that. And uh, I remember the first Hitchcock movie I saw was Suspicion, and I didn't know what I was seeing. Right. I just remember in those days I really only responded to the actors. And I liked Cary Grant, and I thought that movie had a strange quality and was sort of riveting. And, of course, now I can identify it as Hitch's fantastic uh, suspense touch. And um, it was fun to really remember what an impression uh, that movie made on me mm-hmm. and in and Hitchcock himself and then you know whatever yeah. I don't know what I saw after that or when I even identified that it was the director do you um, kind of 
have you uh, found that was the the point of demarcation for you in a way uh, finding Hitchcock that that when that kind of made a big impact uh, well you already admitted it it did but yeah. do you think that was kind of what led you down this primrose path no <laughs> no <laughs> it's uh, very simple I can say it in a okay. couple sentences I just loved monster movies mm-hmm. and in the old days you'd have several times a day several different channels all with its own personality yeah, you could watch uh, scary movies for example yeah. at 11 or 12 on a Saturday there'd be a chiller, chiller theater. theater the six and, fingers coming up yeah, from exactly. the ground chiller. it is on YouTube those of you who are multitasking um, look up the chiller logo it's very charming and then that was followed by a, usually a black and white movie mm-hmm. from Universal or RKO. Yeah. Vincent and Price. Those no, those were, were those later. Those were the color were movies. Okay, you might find those more likely at four thirty at the four thirty movie. Okay, and they'd also four thirty movie also had Godzilla and mm-hmm. those kind of. So those were yeah. color movies, and that was I think Channel Nine, and it had a different uh, yeah, archive yeah, yeah. than Channel sure, Five sure. and Channel Eleven. But Universal was uh, what we said, look, uh, Boris Karloff movies. Yeah, those were yeah. the Boris Karloff movies. Well, those, uh, Bella the, Lugosi, Bella. The Wolfman, uh, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, and then weirder movies like The Crawling Hand. I mean, the mm-hmm. crawl. The creeping eye <laughs> the uh, and them you mm-hmm. know about giant ants and and tarantula mm-hmm. and uh, the incredible shrinking man and all these spectacularly evocative black and white movies so that uh, captivated me and then then you'd read monster magazines and you'd have an awareness of even earlier films that you weren't necessarily seeing like the mm-hmm. uh, lawn cheney mm-hmm. the man of a thousand faces and then one day I saw the movie Man of a Thousand Faces starring James Cagney. And that sent me into a whole other direction, being intrigued by Cagney and the Warner Brothers social realism gangster films. And mm-hmm. then you met Bogart and then you met uh, Edward G. Uh, Robinson. And, um, yeah, they were above. And George Raft. George Raft, and, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. Scarface, the original mm-hmm. Scarface. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> So anyway, that was my journey. Uh, very much old movies. I, I liked comedies. I liked Fred Astaire. So all of that mm-hmm. black and white world was driven by love of the performer. Um, and of course, unknowingly, I was loving the directing, all these sure. uh, whoever, right. you know, James Whale made the Frankenstein movies, the first two. But, um, but we're also lucky in the sense, if you want to call it luck, <laughs> just as was the way it was. The way that it we, was. They yes. didn't have a a children's movie industry at the time. Yes, That's occasionally, right. once a year, maybe twice, you'd get a bed knobs and broomsticks. You'd get a That's Disney right. movie. Right. But we essentially, because we're in the same age, I think, yeah. roughly, we would see the movies that were available. We had them on television, as you're describing. That's I mean, I grew right. up with the same one. But, you know, we would, if we wanted to go to the theaters, we saw what was available and so we right. ended up going to kind of like mature movies i, I mean we had pink panther movies yes right which was and james bond and we had sure. uh, which were a little risque for for, right. for like very pre-teens, exciting but, and the hot rock and movies right. like that and you had sure. once again the entree for me always was the actors yeah well sure um, and i don't know when i, mean, I became aware was, of the hitchcock i'm gonna guess I mean, in a way, Hitchcock was the he, first director you yeah. become aware of. You know? the, yeah, I mean, we're in, talking in the states because he was a, he was because the British well, he was movies, also on TV. 
Right. Oh, right. And right, he was a host, so he was a personality of his, yeah. in his own right. Now, I also grew up on, you know, for whatever reason, Hitchcock would present ghost stories in books. Those were the days when you read books when you were little. And so you'd yeah. have these volumes in which there'd be his face and some wry introductory paragraph that just seemed very fun. And mm-hmm. and then, as I say, uh, I listened to Hitchcock on vinyl, also mm-hmm. presenting short stories. So he really um, captivated, and I think you became aware that he was the director. You were aware of a movie like Psycho existed. And then... Um, you know, the other thing that I love thinking about, and, you know, every now and again I got nostalgic, I get nostalgic and look at the Internet, and, you know, they were also marketing monstrous to children now. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from Count Chocula cereal, but also the monster models um, that you could make, and those were from the Universal Canon. So, and then the magazines, the horror magazines, and then some of them were more risque when they sort of went off... Uh, creepy and eerie had a tinge of sort of 60s trippiness as well Mm -hmm. and all the while mad magazine these things were also subverting authority Mm -hmm. so it was a very exciting time and i feel like what's happened is that uh even though there's a lot of awareness in the culture the kids aren't really there's a different relationship to authority and they've completely bought into things like Amazon and Facebook and Twitter. And they don't really recognize that those are corporate entities Mm -hmm. into which they're given literally all their data, all their lives and their dependency. So you, we had a lot more freedom in the seventies. You know, you could say, Oh, well you've given yourself over to mad magazine, but that's not true. You'd throw it away if you didn't like it. And, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was a counterculture that was built into the mainstream culture, and that was an exciting time. And that's what the 70s movies that everybody romanticizes. Mm -hmm. They also were dealing with the individual's relationship to authority, and then the anti-hero was created, uh, The Taxi Driver, The uh, Dog Day Afternoon. These kind of movies had that urgency. They were really questioning society. And so just, just to wrap it up, that's my orientation. Um, and, uh, and now the kids know how much money every movie makes that comes out and everything is monetized. The value of a film is like, well, get out was the fastest, you know, that movie, you know, you may like it for other reasons, but you're very, very aware. Um, success is, is gauged. Yeah, by not by office. what's hip or right, what's right. cool or what's different or yeah, what's a discovery. It, well, I think it I exists, mean, but it's in a much larger. It's a, up against a much larger, right? You know, uh, uh, gauge. Which and is, even horror was mm-hmm. something that you. It was off the beaten track. It was a little bit uh, rancid and uh, and scary. Mm-hmm. And I remember, for all this nostalgia. Um, Another seminal moment was seeing Night of the Living Dead on television, and it looked like it was black and white, and it looked like the old movies that I watched, but there was something unsettling about it. It was relentlessly bleak Mm -hmm. and didn't have a happy ending and was really claustrophobic, and the monsters were unrelenting, and the nice people got killed as quickly as the bad people, and this was a great revelation, Mm -hmm. and I felt Mm -hmm. like that was my... uh, Popping my cherry on like a new kind of yeah. uh, bleak n- nihilistic reality, and of course I've loved that movie ever since. 
Chainsaw had that same effect. These movies were bleak. This yeah. was a different kind of horror. Well, what? Right. Not for kids, you know, not to be made into a cereal box. <laughs> They've <laughs> what, tried. What but, is the... Uh, with Freddy and all that shit. Well, it goes back into this thinking um, uh, that you can think for yourself. Right. Uh, you don't have to be part of groupthink. Yes. In terms of a happy ending, uh, which we're all kind of so accustomed to, you know, we're all expecting it. Mm. Um, that in of itself is an appeal, right? Is an attraction that it, because yeah. you can actually make a movie with or enjoy a movie, maybe even you don't even have to make it; you just want to see it and watch it. And that that it's re- it's an act, almost an act of rebellion to just participate in in that where yeah. there isn't a happy ending or where the good guys get killed. Well, and one movie. it's bleak. I mean, because yeah. bleak. Who? I mean, otherwise, what explains the appeal of bleakness? Well. I think to people, why would people want to invest their time and their, you know, into watching something that's well, presumably so entertainment is cathartic. And I think mm-hmm. the idea of a bleak ending is to rally up your um, instincts to make a wrong right. So the idea is you leave the theater and you want to see a better world, you've just been brutalized by what could be. Mm-hmm. I do think that's the role. Mm-hmm. There's a film I love called The Mist. I often speak about it. And it had a, an unbearable ending. Uh, so much so that not only do some friends of mine dislike the movie, but in fact they offered the director 100 k to, uh, to change it. And he said, no, I'm going to stick with it. That was uh, Darabond who also made The Walking Dead and The Green Mile and uh, mm-hmm. uh, other popular films. But he had great passion for this ending. And it it is uh, based on a short Stephen King story, uh, and it turned it—he turned it into a feature. I think it's great. It has Aristotle's sense of time and place. It all takes place in twelve hours. Uh-huh. Uh, so Aristotle's sense of a single location in a supermarket, and uh, it's very bleak and has really strange creatures. It, uh, oh, it takes place in a supermarket. Yeah, in Maine. Uh-huh. There's a mist that well, comes in, and <laughs> you, you don't say. You don't want to yeah. leave that supermarket after a certain while. Yeah, when you know it's in the mist. Uh, and then <laughs> the other element that it has that I always like is that the people are worse than the monsters, although the monsters aren't so great. But uh, the people turn on each other, which seems like so. It's bleak. Yes, bleak with bleak <laughs> sauce. Um, <laughs> right, special sauce, special bleak sauce. Special yeah, got bleak it. So- anyway, well, well you- this is the job of horror is to yeah. unsettle you. Yeah, so right. hopefully you walk out either yeah. feeling grateful for what little miseries you have or determined to change the world for the better. Mm-hmm. Or you just want to go to bed and crawl under the pillow. Um, what do you think of um, Shudder? Shudder. This the, is a, the streaming the, service. Well, Shudder is fantastic. And I have to say, like so many things, it started particularly fantastically. Uh, and because I knew some of the people involved with mm-hmm. its creation, I wasn't very very endeared but i think just when you visited you felt a real curatorship and that people cared to put up both the classics and then the slightly less known and then the truly eccentric and um and they've built on that i don't know if it got sold or something happened and it became more corporate but i'm sure in this day and age that it was driven to become um, yeah, you know, a mm-hmm. bigger and bigger enterprise. But no matter what, it's still a great destination. If you love horror, it's it is like the Netflix of horror. I mm-hmm. think that 
I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, but you know, you go there and you really, there's a, uh, a wide variety of stuff. I think if I have anything in my tone of voice, I only regret that like every one of these streaming places, they now want to make original content right. Yeah, and to sort of the detriment of keeping their film library uh, going. But this is um, a uh, sort of an unbeatable trend because I think it's more financially sound. And also there's opportunities. There could be great stuff created for the network. So I say Shudder is fantastic. <laughs> Do you feel like um, you you haven't done television, right? No, it's uh, all. I mean, it's, it's television by and large. It's that that you can say whether it's through standard or I don't know what broadcast television or whether it's through some of the other serial platforms that do serial right stuff um, like Netflix. Uh, y- y- these are and Amazon. Uh, these are uh, corp all corporations. Well, that's right, but I mean, so is Universal Pictures and Warner Brothers. Yeah, I mean, you know, right. that's the yeah. nature of it. Of course, you want freedom, and you want executives and heads of studios who believe in the artist. And, mm-hmm. You know, Selznick believed in Hitchcock. He also had his own ideas, and mm-hmm. on it goes. There's always a struggle. I think, look, yeah, life isn't going to be ideal in right. showbiz, where it's miserable elsewhere. Um, my resentment about television has been that... Uh, I find it uh, oppressive that you're expected to watch 10, 12 episodes and invest that much time in something. I always use the example of Fargo, which was a really good show. It was just relentlessly good. And yet I could take it or leave it after a while. Whereas the movie, you could watch that 90-minute movie mm-hmm. over and over. It's as a I, treasure. As I have. It's a treasure. Yeah, right. You could quote it. You could... Uh, so... it speaks to me about the power of the cinematic experience now having said that i have tried to make tv i've pitched stuff and once you were in it my friend jim mickle made happen leonard and he had a great run of it what's called uh happen leonard it was on um now i miss uh, these things and i I know how could you not there's so much Uh, stuff right but the point is is here's a great filmmaker he made three features Mm -hmm. uh yeah jim sort of at the the low budget level and then he graduated to this great tv show which was very much consistent with the authors he'd been um working with and it was a beloved show so there you go and he learned a lot and uh, it's a quality picture but i much as i love jim mickle i couldn't watch it all i just can't tune in every mm-hmm. i got other stuff to do right. i'm telling yeah. you um, well it's design i guess it's designed for people who have the time yeah, or and make for the, people make who the want to find that time, and I get binge viewing. Uh, speaking of the old movie stars, I had a real good time with um, Feud, which was about Betty Davis oh. making um, sure uh, whatever uh, what, what whatever happened, happened to Baby, Baby Jane, Jane. Yeah. and that was fantastic. So television has its place. Uh, I just can't keep up when everybody says, "Have you seen this? Have you seen that?" Now, I made this film recently uh, called Depraved, and I have a whole TV show based on that premise. So I, um, I'm not above dreaming of uh, the small screen. And, mm-hmm. of course, it's mm-hmm. more lucrative now than They're all small movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, many of them. Oh, get the teeny screen. <laughs> uh, well, what is that's it? another well, thing. I don't know. I yeah. still believe in, I, and course. actually, 
do I really? But I do love going to the movies and you give yourself over. And yeah, you know, of course, there's the nuisance of the guy with the cell phone in the corner or the loud popcorn eater. But, you know, it's all mm-hmm. part of the deal. Right. And I did see Get Out in the theater and it was a blast. Everybody mm-hmm. was having mm-hmm. a hootenanny. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that's the only kind of movie I like. So maybe if you see something austere, it's a different. But I saw uh, Dunkirk. You know, on mm-hmm. the biggest possible screen, and yeah, that was exactly sure. right for that. I'm yeah. not even sure that movie would hold up on a regular size nah. screen, but it was nah. just completely yeah. transporting. Right. It was yeah, so it big, you couldn't avoid yeah. uh, the image. It was yeah. great. I, I went to see it just for the spectacle. I rarely do that, yeah. you know? Yeah. The one I wanted to go see but now. that's a good kind of spectacle. Sorry to interrupt. Right. No, but, no, you're not. You know, mm-hmm. they all say go to the uh, Avengers movies for spectacle. But the thing about Dunkirk, it was, to me, it was an existential spectacle. You're literally seeing humans like insects cr- crawling out of one dreadful situation or another. The boat is on fire. The boat is sinking. The mm-hmm. plane is crashing. And it really just felt like the it, – it had a philosophical component to it. Mm-hmm. In being the spectacle. And he, of course, Christopher Nolan loves playing with time. So I thought it was... Yeah, that was the strangest part of it. It was a work of, of it. art you... in the sense of... It was like a beautiful that have sculpture. That, that shouldn't have worked. And it was certainly not a commercial idea to have three exactly. concurrent right. stories being told. Exactly. On the same... In three different... In, in th- th- three different time frames. Yeah. Uh, meaning so, that one was a day-long thing. Another was like a two-hour period or... I may be. Honestly, I know I'm I can't wrong. even quite figure it out. I remember but, just though that yeah. there were three different yes. parts of this this uh, battle, or right, which were happening. And then occasionally you saw the overlap, and you right. were like, "Oh wow! Oh yeah. wow!" So so it made you. Think. It was a beautiful conceit. Yeah, a a piece of cinema, maybe not as engaging as what we're accustomed to in terms of drama and a lead character, but uh, I, I thought it was great. What can you say about Depraved then, as we? Uh... Maybe wind down because uh, I know it's you're, you're you're in the edit. I'm in the edit. I'm hoping to finish in the fall. I'm very happy to finish my version of Frankenstein within the year of the 200th anniversary. It is of the book oh, by the Mary, book. Shelley. Mary Shelley. Which um, is still a uh, my movie is called Taught in Schools. Oh, as well it should be. It's mm-hmm. a masterwork. I mean, whether you like the book or not, there's a graciousness to it that's mm-hmm. unexpected when you're picturing the Karloff monster and. The legacy, um, but um, the themes are very strong, of course. And uh, I wrote mine out of an innate love of the story. I didn't really adapt the book or adapt the movie or do anything. I don't even know how I wrote the script. I got to be honest; it was so long ago. I don't even know where it came from. But I've always loved the Frankenstein monster, and so this is my spin on it. And uh, it's really about psychological shocks and where we are and uh, just the the sadness of humanity and growing up and disorientation and subjectivity and all the things that I find interesting and that I find exist in these horror tropes. Um, so it's sort of like my old film habit in terms of yeah, reimagining uh, that was a on, classic yeah, in my own very personal way. Yeah. So that's what it is. I should be finished September or so, and then one searches for any kind of love in this day and age uh, from festivals or critics or buyers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe in that order, but hopefully in that order. In 
inevitably leading towards the big sale, and then it'll come out. Mm -hmm. I don't know when. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it won't, and I'll self-distribute, which is what I did with Habit. So well, That was a very different time. It was, and... But, and that was actually a very exceptional way to do it at the time. It was no, exciting at the time. I learned a lot. It's kind of yeah. where I developed some of my theories about being independent, which is just another word for being unpopular, <laughs> no. disliked. Uh, so <laughs> then suddenly so. you're independent Well, because no one will have you. People should seek out habit. Seek yes. out a bad habit. And, yes, uh, I have many habits. So that's not been a problem. Doing this podcast. Yeah. It is becoming a habit. What have <laughs> yeah, I done? Thankfully. I've <laughs> done four or five of these. Oh, okay. I think now, yeah, maybe even. Well, you did a couple of. Um, well, I was a guest with yeah, others. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what makes this one nice. I think very special, which is to uh, have you all to myself again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, with one and with uh, Jack. And, uh, very fun. That was very fun. I was having uh, Mercury was in retrograde that day for me, but. Oh, right. In the sense of. But you pulled had, it together. One I would never know. Except for the startled, the startled expression on your radio guests' faces. <laughs> no. uh, luckily, none of that was seen. Yeah. <laughs> so depraved, and uh, and again, the ranger, uh, Aunt, uh, Jess Wexler was her name, or Je Jen, Jen Jennifer Wexler. Jen Wexler, Jennifer Wexler, and that one. Do, who's distributing that one? Uh. I don't. Well, yeah, we're we're going out in theaters now, yeah, and then right. uh, we hope to announce uh, its ultimate destination soon enough. But these are there's yeah. so many secrets. What's after theaters? I can't that? reveal. Ah, then there's mm -hmm. sort of streaming yeah. and Blu-ray sure. and right, DVD and uh, those things still happen, eh? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and perhaps even a, a soundtrack album. Mm -hmm. So there's always hope. We really like to milk it. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, yeah. And then Glass Eye has some other irons in the fire, but you know, I don't usually talk about mm -hmm. stuff yeah. till it's really ready happening. Yeah, right. Uh, till you know it's got traction, it's got legs, whatever. Yeah, it's got legs, it's got traction. Um, but we soldier on. It's it's a tough, brutal landscape mm -hmm. showbiz, but you know, you try to make your partnerships and uh mm -hmm. And see what can be done. And what other options are there, after all? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And we have uh, Tales from Beyond the Bell. We'll, we'll tell everybody about that. We'll make sure people know how yeah. to find August it. Yeah, August 22nd. August uh, 22nd. The Ranger, August there. 17th. Good Lord, that predates. And then the Ranger's playing in a lot of festivals uh, mm -hmm. around the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, then Look for Depraved, I guess, in the new year. It's very depressing yeah. making a movie because you're really in it. Yeah. And then you realize you have to wait to present it. Sure. See, um, then you have to kind of get your that you know, the enthusiasm back up again, which I guess yeah. come that time, it's probably and then, pretty you know, we have easy. Comic-Con, mm -hmm. and we'll be selling stuff there. That's a fun, mm -hmm. sort of a fun. Here in New York? Is this, is yeah, it, we do the, in the, New York. The San Diego one, I think, just, just That's happened. for the big boys. Yeah. No, we're just yeah. a small that fries. That would be very expensive to set up there, right? Yeah. I imagine. I and, and then the travel and everything else. The whole thing, yeah. Yeah. When is the New York one, though? That's in the... It's in October. In the, yeah. I love the fall. The fall is a great time of year. Sure. Um, we'll have the elections, so there'll be endless... That'll be good news. ...hand-wringing and yeah. <laughs> real horror up on screens mm -hmm. all around. Uh, so whatever. We'll see. We'll see. These are tough times. It's important to embrace the arts mm -hmm. and to remind yourself that there are things that matter. Mm-hmm. 
that you have control over, like reading a book of poetry or trying to take in some nature. These things actually matter. And Sit down with an instrument. Or Make, play an time, instrument. That's put right. Some time, invite somebody over for the evening and play together. Yeah, I think that's and really... pound beers and play instruments. There you go. That's my, that's my <laughs> that's idea of a good time. Prescription. From... <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And my son has a record coming out with his band. I mean, a record, it's an album. I don't know how it'll be presented to the public, but mm -hmm. that band is fantastic. And I'd tell you all about it, except they might change their name. So that's frustrating, but that music <laughs> is good. And I've been involved in helping him uh, uh, along. So My son played the cello. He was going to a school that oh, cool. required the cello. And he got very good at it. Good. But he didn't care. And that was the oh, problem. But it's, it's hard tough. if he was 10. I it's know. a different time, 11. It's very hard to so, get the yeah. kids to realize the value of music. Yeah. I took piano lessons. I was Me terrible, yeah. and I gave it up. Uh -huh. I wish I hadn't. Uh, and then I learned the saxophone on my own, and it's been um, a lifetime of humiliation with little sprinkles Mo of pleasure. Of, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I took the sax in uh, junior high. I got, I would get good at, with any instrument that I was. That's cool. Uh, I was good at piano, but I I took to the guitar because I took jazz and then I played at summer camp. Where I learned how to play all the 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 folk and the rock songs. You know, sure, That's, that was. Of and then the guitar was good because it got you girls and it. Uh, it's funny you and, say that. And also I was going to say you can get chicks with the, yeah, guitar, the guitar, but then I didn't say it because I don't want to get I in know, trouble. I know. Oh. Larry, yeah, self-censoring? Self yeah, I can't imagine. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Have you seen what they've oh, done to these? Not on my set. I'm very old what, school. I tell dad my, even jokes, my, which is just a code for old white man jokes. Yeah, yeah. Dad jokes. That's right. Yeah. That's, an, that's I, mean, I hadn't thought of that. That's That makes perfect sense now to use that phrase. Yeah. It's, it's so much better than calling yourself an old white man after all. But right. <laughs> Just dad jokes. Um, oh, the last thing we could just mention... Because mm -hmm. even my son came up to me, and because the commercial for I guess uh, what the the oh well no the uh, James Gunn f uh, being fired for these tweets, and I, I just it's oh. a great example, uh, not to retread, but it does it does speak to young foolishness and deleted, apologized for, and yet he has to. You know, I I'm very opposed to. Uh... I'm troubled by the uh, identity politics and yeah. the trial by Twitter. Yeah. Um, I do feel like there's a Public lot of people. And, yeah. yeah. I, I think there's a lot of people who feel there's uh, it's time for a shakeup, and I accept that. I've certainly and we're in that phase. So everybody, unfortunately, a lot of uh, people that may not deserve quite the same. It's uh, called collateral damage. But yeah, exactly. I also think this could be handled. Uh, Differently, but I'm not going to say better because I'm not sure what to do. How do you un, you know, mm -hmm. the the problem is is uh, the left is effectively eating the left. The right just continues doing what they're doing, and they're doing it more viciously. And uh, so they just are tickled by all of this. It's like the, you know, the only competition right. is infighting and mm -hmm. taking each other down. Now we may come out of it with something exciting. Like obviously, there are certain elections that have been promising and i'm as progressive while i'm progressive on certain fronts i'm certainly an environmentalist i think mm -hmm. capitalism is destroying us uh i don't think healthcare is a right but i think any sane society would have health care it's all semantics at a certain point 
uh, and identity politics, I feel that it divides us into tribes instead of unites us as citizens. And that's the only nuance I would bring to that discussion, and I don't know how to that out there while still um, leveling and, and celebrating diversity. Uh, I think it almost is, it just shows how out of touch I am. The idea that women aren't paid the same as men is perplexing because on a shoot, uh, your producer might be a woman, and there's no yeah. question that she's no. bringing the, well, the the A game to the, the role. And... It, it's also, though, as a lot of things are, uh, that conversation is also being presented, packaged in a very simplistic way mm-hmm. that dis- does a disservice to the situation itself uh, in terms of the pay um, in- inequity. Because right. it's not really talking about it in a completely honest way. Mm-hmm. They're not talking about necessarily people that are working side by side. They're talking about general swaths of, Is that of, right? of pay. See, I don't even know. When yeah. you hear that somebody's getting 78 cents to the dollar but because it's, they're a woman, yeah, that's but if, perplexing. Right. But if you have... But maybe you're saying... No, what I'm saying is if you, but if you have two... If you hire two, two um, middle managers right. in some company, they're both being paid the same. It's not necessarily the case with, with, okay. as it's... They're talking about larger numbers that have to do with... That are much more... It's much more nuanced. It requires a much more nuanced... Right. Dissemination, well, this is a good you know, point. Uh, well, uh, you know, which so I'm not saying there aren't inequities and they need to be corrected. I'm not saying that, right. but I'm I'm saying that uh, it's being kind of advertised in a false way, right? You know, and simplified of the, what, for the sake sim- of outrage, which yeah. is what we and, were and, saying, right? And about the, the weather, <laughs> and then the left, as you say, also. I do think the right is also eating the right, though. For instance, I think these quiet, cowardly congressmen that yeah. you know, Republican congressmen who will watch. Uh, this what would unfold, let's say, in uh, Helsinki or wherever it is. Oh, so there's so many cases and so many examples that, you know, that they're right. remain they're silent. Not resisting, of they're course, going, though, that, that, yeah, right. That they're bananas. It's yeah, literally bananas. Yeah, yeah. They Those, don't, they're, they they're, appear not to stand for anything. Anything, right? Well, of course, they are going, they're, they're going to pay. I mean, it may be, but the, it's a long term thing. It's I like admire your long-term. confidence. I'm not <laughs> sure. That suggests that yeah. there's an equilibrium and that we are, well, in fact, a decent society. I don't know that that's true. Mm. I feel like, uh, in fact, I don't mean to say you're being complacent, but we have to fight Naive, for, maybe. well, hopeful. Uh, you have to fight for a- equality. You have to fight for um, truth, to use mm-hmm. a cliche of the day. Um, this stuff, uh, I, and even, you know, the assumption that we'll always have the internet, that we'll always use our devices, and the kids are fighting for more and more of this and that, but the, what if the power goes out? You know, there's a yeah. kind of a, mm-hmm. the human animal is so detached from um, the reality of existence in this modern culture that they don't even recognize um, how fragile uh, modern society is. And so they sit there and bicker about things that they're lucky to be able to fight about. And it really, I find it upsetting. There's something we can talk about. Disconnects is my political website in which I try to sort through these ideas. Oh, you and, have uh, a, you, you have built the site? Or? Yep. It's called disconnects.com, D-I-S-C-O-N-N-E-X.com. Uh-huh. And there I just present some 
basic topics uh, in, I hope, a very simple way, and I just try to reframe a little bit. It's neither left nor right. Anyone would say it has a left bias, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to just say, let me get this straight. Um, you know, we, we have climate change deniers, but what if it is true? Are we really doing the right thing? You know, why do we hate alternative energy? It's just as uh, vital a job. Mm-hmm. What is the bias against it? And, you know, just tries to ask so some simple these questions. questions. Yeah, are, now, what, then I'm, what? Are there, are, are, is it a forum or is it a place where people, are you getting responses? Is it No, or because just, I'm too shy to really get really, into it. Okay. But... At first, it was just a way to put out my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you find it like a cathartic thing It was very for cathartic. You? It uh, remains yeah, cathartic. Yeah, yeah. I keep a news feed on Facebook, which nobody on the planet knows about. I just uh, put articles up there. There's a narrative that tells what is the it story under? of what I find. Oh, we can't Disconnectsnewsfeed.com uh, or Facebook, whatever it is. Um, so if you go to Disconnects, you can find all this. I, there's a reading list. There are books I recommend. There's... Uh, uh-huh. Uh, videos that I recommend, and I have actually Maybe uh, I've seen original because, videos as well, like Ron yeah. Perlman speaks, mm-hmm. uh, Sebastian Younger, directly, like through through disconnects, or yeah, these I articles. Didn't, that I you, would interview you, them. Oh, and um, I mean, really, if I had, God, I would love to talk to Ron Perlman. I just, oh, I thank fantastic. God for him. Like, yeah. uh, I just like his he's tweets. tweeting right now. Yeah. 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 I like that. I mean, that, that actually, I'm always teasing him. I'm saying, Ron, when are you going to run for president? And he, he I think I bet he, he has is. thought about it. But um, he is. Th- he, he is. Um, he, he has, I think, a really nice old school um, mm-hmm. sense of outrage and disappointment in the direction that the country's allowed itself to go. Um, and it's he's, uh, I think, a, a great voice um and there are many like him and there should be many more i mean he has a lot of followers as well i think you know he's just heartbroken at the yeah the shift in our basic assumptions and that's actually what yeah. disconnects tries to address like what are our right. assumptions yeah do you privatize everything is that the model if you hate government what are you saying you want in its place? Because surely these guys aren't anarchists. Well, no, what they want is everything to be privatized. So everything is for a dollar. You wouldn't even go get your grandmother or help the lady across the street if there wasn't a monetary value attached to it. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a society no. that is yeah. dysfunctional. Right. Sure. And, and we have trained ourselves mm-hmm. somehow to apply monetary value to everything to the exclusion mm-hmm. of basic kindness mm-hmm. and that's the real toxicity of president trump is that he's being bringing his base simplistic understanding of the world to the to the national stage and just spouting garbage it's very discouraging and i assumed maybe i'm wrong but i assumed that it was just a lot of uh, simple people who finally got a candidate who was even simpler you know and who, yeah, who yeah. Wouldn't i mean the whole ex- idea of the trump voter is is obviously yeah. uh very much more complex some of them are angry racists right. some yeah. of them are probably a little bit weirded out by him but admitting you're wrong is the last thing they're going to do and i think a lot of people are just so disgusted with the way the left presents itself that they'd rather just crash and burn than sort of listen to that shrill voice you know and that's a problem this is that is a problem the left's fault too yeah yeah sure well yeah which is to say they need to uh come up with something wholesome um and empowering to talk about rather than scolding 
and I think this is why I get into identity politics, you may yeah. quickly say, oh, listen to the white guy saying no more identity politics. No, I'm saying let's do it in a more inclusive way that speaks about our obligation as people mm-hmm. uh, in a society, as civilians, as opposed to uh, look what you all did wrong historically and you must apologize you know, endlessly and be thrown out of the, of the ring. It's... I would love nothing it's more tough. than seeing Cynthia Nixon become governor, but then I'm on my, this other part of me is also saying this is all we have now is like an alternative or uh, celebrities who have huge tweet Twitter, excuse me, huge Twitter right. followings. That's that's what's left. You know, it's like, um, and that's going to, is this where we're evolving? I well, mean, at least. Uh, our president yeah, is a, a tweeter in is chief. A, I mean, a, right. so, yeah. um, and you know, I actually believe that celebrities have a right to get into politics if they have sure. something to say. I thought yeah. Al Franken was a very thoughtful well, politician. He left, yeah. He left in shame. He left, and that but he was, also left uh, uh, entertainment. Right. Well, hasn't Cynthia too? Okay. Or she's I don't know. still doing uh, well, the, I don't know. the TV I don't know. show. We don't, we, I don't know. We won't know. But uh, I well, appreciate we'll her, her collaborations with Robert Altman where she was the uh, daughter oh. of the president. That's Do you remember funny. that? No. Oh, yeah. Robert Altman, who was, of course, a pioneer even in doing television a generation before right. it became Vogue, yes. he okay. made a series about uh, this guy running for president, and they shot it during the actual caucuses. And uh, oh, prime- cool. and Cynthia Nixon was his daughter. You don't remember that? No. That series? Oh, it's so good. That's cool. They brought it back uh, on HBO years later mm-hmm. uh, when he, I guess he was running for president again or something. I can't recall. Maybe she, maybe in the first thing he was not running for for president. I can't remember, but yeah, Robert Altman directed. That's yeah, sweet. Anyway, yeah, I should check it out. That was a great show. And Cynthia Nixon was his daughter. Now here she is actually running for governor, but I, I hear she doesn't really stand much of a chance against the Cuomo. Uh, well, machine. you know, the problem with the Cuomo thing is it's like the Clinton thing. There's just a, yeah. a very valid resentment towards this right. kind of yeah. uh, political machine. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi has that skank, and yeah. it doesn't mean these people haven't tried. I'm a big supporter of... Skank or of stank? Sort of, uh, stink, 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 stunk. Yeah. Stink, stank, stunk. <laughs> Sticks, nicks, hicks, picks. No, it's very true. Uh, you know, it's yeah. just because they feel establishment. Yeah. They don't feel like they're light on their toes in terms of uh, responding to this assault that we're undergoing mm-hmm. with a kind of elegance and ferocity that is needed. Uh, you know, we can't just... Um, but Bernie, do- Bernie has that. Bernie has it. I Bernie didn't include yeah. him no, as an didn't. old stodge, stinky, and stanky, stunky. And he's not doing a TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bernie. Uh, Bernie was, yeah. is, I guess, uh, still a hope. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, he's like 180 years old. Can Maybe, we have but, some new? So, uh, uh, and what yeah. we have yeah, no, Cortez we, and so we on. Might, we, right, but we, we. But if Bernie, there's someone named McGrath who's. Uh-huh. Um, so well, we'll see. November will be important. Yeah. We'll see if this nation has any self-respect or if we're just literally going to fling, fling the feces until the the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm very resentful that we have to talk about Trump every day and we're not talking about global warming, which is what I find compelling and Mm -hmm. tragic. Um, They just, you know, the endangered species and all these topics. Who are these industrialists who just want to rape and pillage? It's just, were they raised wrong? Apparently. Yeah. And they don't have grandchildren, I guess. Well, they do. That's what's confounding. Don't the Koch brothers have... Yeah. 
and and Inhoff, all these people have children. They're mm-hmm. just so freaking out of their minds. And don't blame the freaking Bible because, you know, God told us to be good uh World uh, global citizens or whatever. I don't know if God told us that. (laughs) He made of it exact verb. He told us to, uh, you know, tie your shoes and wipe your nose. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what God told. Obviously, whatever you want to read in the Bible is exactly what God said, and that's a problem too because these people are filled with. Is there even mention of abortion in the Bible? (laughs) Whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. Disconnects. Disconnects.com for all your, when you need a good cry. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been fun. I hope so. Can I lean back away from the mic now? Finally. Because I feel like Quasimodo himself. No, (laughs) it's been very pleasant. And and back to sanctuary, yes. (laughs) Sanctuary. Sanctuary. Sanctuary.